do we still remember how to do this? Do you still remember how to do, how to do this? Well, I, I sound like I don't remember how to do this because it's three o'clock in the morning. Why? I mean, I know why it is three o'clock in the morning because at this time of day, it's always three uh, three o'clock in the morning. But why are you awake and why did you not want to sleep before we do this? Um. Well, because I have a flight out to Reno in six hours. Okay. And I also just got back from Mexico. How was that? I said goodbye to the apartment. It had to happen. It, it did it did have to happen it, it had to happen before the pandemic but uh, but yeah that that now is in the past <laughs> well you've made other plans I I have I have nature has has made other plans as well but how- but you have no beard. I have no beard. That's also nature's fault. Oh, yeah. Well, because the the uh, the good masks, the uh, what we call here the FFP2 masks for right. the for the Tom Hanks situation, um, they don't work if you have a beard. They work best if you're clean shaven and uh, you put them on the right way so that you really breathe through through the fabric and not through any holes. Uh, at the edges and so if when did i t- take it off i think yeah sometime in winter i uh, maybe november or december i decided okay i want to protect myself properly and so i had to take off the beard also all the barber shops were closed so i there was no point in Nah, I don't know. But that that was the actually the only reason uh, to do that. And I actually like it. Um I have learned I think for the first time to really clean shave myself properly. Um which I find very satisfying. Um I don't know when I mean after we after wearing masks is not necessary or uh reasonable anymore or not required i don't know um i don't know if i'm gonna grow the beard again i think Catherine wants me to grow the beard again we'll see i actually did shave off my beard once during the pandemic for that very reason and then i realized i don't really like going outside or being <laughs> around people so why am i doing this yeah yeah uh, um uh, for me it was um with time when i regularly went to my what's the word uh is it orthopedist author some doctor yeah yeah right for mm-hmm. you know for uh my various for your bones spo- sports injuries yeah bones muscles uh tendons yeah yep. um and uh i went there like once a week and it it's just outside of being reachable by bike uh, comfortably and the weather was bad so I took the tram and in the tram I mean Germany never um, 
put any limit on people inside the, the trams. Uh, so it was rather uncomfortable wait, not wearing what? a proper mask. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What? How does that work? How does what work? No, we never just... Everybody could still take the tram and so the trams were full even during the worst times. You didn't even have little dots on the floor that said... No. Because of Tom Hanks, don't stand close to the person next to you? Not in the tram. Not in the uh, public transport vehicles in any of them, actually. So the the Deutsche Bahn, they... uh, for many connections, especially the one that Catherine takes every day, they doubled uh, the length of the train. Mm-hmm. But in the normal, in the tram, in the bus, nothing changed. And people still had to get to work because nobody said, please stay uh, home. No, no, they only said, please stay home. Uh, but nobody made anybody stay home. Um, so the tram was still full, and that is very uncomfortable. And that's when I decided to take off the beard. Okay, that makes total sense. Yeah. I uh, definitely agree with but that. But you don't have to go to places as much as I do, I guess. No, I don't really have to go anywhere. <laughs> except my parents' house, Raven's grandparents' house. That's really the only place I have to but go. But that's to. very close too, right? Yes, it is. It's a kilometer away from... The house that I'm so in right now. So you can wor- walk. Yes, I can. And people. And look sometimes at you I actually do. <laughs> uh, no, people don't look at you funny. This this is actually a of all of the places, of all of the suburbs in the United States. I think this is one of the most walkable, and people do walk. Like if if you just spend. Uh, if you spend 15 and that's the the weird thing about my neighborhood is there's always people walking back and forth in my neighborhood. In my parents' neighborhood, which is on the other side, so I live half a kilometer away from a major thoroughfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, still only two lanes, but a major thoroughfare nonetheless. Uh, one lane in either direction. Uh, on their side, the houses are bigger and the yards are bigger. And you don't see as many people walking. On my side of the thoroughfare, the houses are slightly smaller uh, and the yards are slightly smaller. My yard is actually slightly bigger because of the way the street curves. Uh, And that's one of the reasons we bought this house. But have we even talked about the house that I bought? When was the last time we did this? I have no idea. I I think we, we have talked about it a little bit. But I don't know if it was on air or not. So, uh, um, if somebody listens to this, I know that Niklas is uh, listening to this. Uh, please tell us if we talked about the house or anything. And if we talk about it twice, that's okay. Totally fine. Um, so, if you stand out, or if you if you look out my big window in my living room where the neighbors can see what I'm watching on, on TV. Mm-hmm. The neighbors can see all of my weird Amtrak, uh, Amtrak European history. <laughs> and it's just, well, just train videos in general, that the last thing that came up when I woke up on the TV was the history of the ICE crash in Eschede. Um, yeah. Where the, where the wheel like popped through the floor and they were like, Hmm, do you think we should stop the train? Mm, nah. 
uh, I always found that amusing that just the way that that story was was sort of told that there are a whole bunch of Germans and then a floor of a very fast moving train comes up through the floor and people think, hmm, that's unusual. <laughs> do you think we should do something about that? I don't know. Hmm. Perhaps there may be something. Uh, so, but if you look out that same window on during the day, you will see without fail once a minute, somebody passing by, usually walking a dog, sometimes with a child. And then, of course, as, as school is beginning, kids walk to school and they walk back from school. Oh, They're actually walking to the school that I went to as a young child, the, the primary school, first through fifth grade. So, so yes, people do actually walk, shockingly. And sometimes I walk to my parents' house, sometimes with my child in my arms. And yes, Raven, who is who will be eight months in two days. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm. What percentage? So, how probable probable do you think it is that I will be en able to enter the U.S. on July 16th? I think pretty good. Um, what's the restriction now? The restriction now is that nobody who spent, who lived or who stayed in the Schengen area uh, in the past 14 days is allowed to enter. I'm sure there's exceptions for business travels, as there always is. But that is, and until further notice. So there is no, um, there is no uh, expiration date on that rule. Odd. Yeah, and why is that? I think I think at some point there. Well, yeah, who knows? Oh, yeah, there's that. Um, at least there was. It's it's the last time I checked. I think it was three weeks ago or four weeks ago before we we uh, booked our flight. Um, I'll have to check again. But there was definitely. I looked for it. There was no ex exceptions for uh, vaccinated people either. Because what, all I had to do to re-enter the U.S. was have, and this was actually a you have a U.S. Story. passport. Yes, and but Mexico is I, an exception. Mexico, uh, these rules don't apply to Mexico. No, they do apply to Mexican citizens. I think nope. they do apply to Mexican nope. citizens, don't they? Nope. Because you can't. Because the land borders are closed, you still have to cross by air. Yeah, that may be. Um. Because uh, I know that um, many students and some of the faculty of the German school uh, where Catherine used to work in mm -hmm. Mexico City, they flew out to Houston to get vaccinated. Oh, interesting. Because they can afford it. So they do it. Yes, and at this point they're just giving it away. Yeah, probably. In the US. We're still not there yet in Germany. Not for still... another two months, oh, I think. We're not... Wait, you're still not there in terms of giving it away? Yeah. Or you're still not there in terms of people who want it? No, no. Uh, still not there uh, in terms of giving it away to anyone who wants it. Oh, there's still restrictions. 
Anhygiene. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, the, the, the restriction is there's just not enough. Right. Unfortunately. So, yeah, and that's going to be the case for another two or maybe three months. No. Yeah, but I'm all good. Catherine's all good. I'm all good. So um, as soon as... Um, yeah, so we booked our flights, and I hope to fly to New York in July, and then a week later take a train to Michigan. Um, Trains? <laughs> what 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 kind of train are you going to be taking to to Michigan? There, uh, I think well, technically you're taking it to Indiana, but we'll, yeah, we'll... yeah, Indiana, not to Michigan. Um, I'm, I didn't look closely, but it's called Amtrak. I've heard of that company, and it goes from New York City. I hope at least uh, through the Moine the yeah Moynihan Penn Station. Yeah, good. Um, I'll have to walk. You'll there. get to see the brand new train hall before I do. Cool. It's a new train. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, no, it's it's and, no, it's a it's a brand. Uh, so basically, there is a post. There used to be a post office across the street from Penn Station big beautiful old post office building back when people sent mail um and they turned that into a new train hall ah train hall okay to get, i mean the tracks always ran underneath it they just moved where you get on them mm -hmm. by uh, just across the street that's all all right yeah, well, I hope I can uh, get onto that train and then travel quite a long way. I mean, it starts at like 4 p.m. in the afternoon and it arrives in uh, Indiana in at 8-something in the morning. And uh, somehow you got me a really cheap single room. <laughs> so as I understand it, it's a single room and you said it's got its own shower as well. Uh, no, the train no. car has showers. Ah, okay. There are showers on board the train, uh, but yes, it's not. You don't have your your own. There are rooms that do have their own shower. Uh, you did not. You you don't have one of those. No. And depending on the train equipment you have, you might you might have a toilet and a sink in your room. That's pretty um, fancy. I just yeah. wanted to. Well, I mean, it's it's some people don't like it because it's a basically the step stool that you stand on to get up to get to the upper bunk because um, yeah. there's two. It's a bunk bed situation. Um, of course. Uh, you lift that up, and then there's a toilet. That's amazing. I'll see. I'll see. Um, and then uh, I mean, it's July, so it's uh, light outside for a very long time. Uh, I hope mm -hmm. to um, I get to see a lot of the area. I've never been to. Yes, I know the only time I've been to um, New York. So up, how how do you call it? Upper Upper New York State. Upstate. Upstate New York. Upstate New York. Um, it was when we took a bike trip to Cooperstown. To see the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame Museum. Nice. Which was really, really cool. So I have to go there sometime again, but not this year. For sure. Speaking of bike trips, so you, you have a history of bike trips. Yes. Bike trips. You, you have this history of bike trips. You lived in a tent for quite some time as well. And was that related to a bike trip? Yes, of course. And I did not 
just live in a tent. Uh, um, th th this what I told you about was so the longest time that I the, my longest bike trip um, where I mostly lived in a tent uh, was in 2005. Uh, I was still at university and I had spent a year in Trondheim in Norway. And uh, the year before, I had just about two weeks between uh, university ending in Germany uh, and uh, university starting in Norway. So then I, you know, I took my bike, uh, took a bike trip, um, and went through Norway by bike. So I, I moved by bike, uh, and that took about a week. And then I had one week before classes started then. But the next year... Um, of course, this was planned way ahead. Uh, I had about 10 weeks, about almost three months of um, free time. So at the, I think it was beginning of June, I started uh, to uh, my bike trip. And I cycled through Norway for about nine weeks. After six weeks, I was bored. That's, a, that's another uh, story. Yeah, it was so. That was the time when I still thought so a, a month-long or a year-long bike trip would be enviable and would be fun. But then I discovered that it's not, at least not for me. For others, uh, it is fun. But but yeah, in, in Norway, um, you can just live in your. I mean, I uh, stayed in uh, another place every night, and I always had fresh water because it's Norway, and I could always put up my tent. Um, Uh, on on the side of the road or uh, somewhere on some some grassland uh, and and nobody cared nobody cared because it's the law you can do it um what's the law the law is you can just camp anywhere more or less and there's a lot of public land as well Uh, there's rules about private land, but there's so much public land that you can just, uh, yeah, you can stay anywhere for a night or two. Also with your um, uh, home mobile, uh, you can just stay there. And uh, many people do. And they also, they have lots of more area where you can stay compared to, for example, Germany. In Germany, uh, pretty much everything is private land and you you're just not allowed to put up your tent anywhere for a night it's just yeah it's it's, you, it's, it's you're it's not look, allowed it's frowned upon no 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 it's not allowed it's forbidden and you will get into trouble um so but in norway it's there's there's different rules um and so yeah i could basically of course i stayed in Once I stayed in a youth hostel and uh, another times I spent a few days with friends. Um, but most of the time I lived in a tent. So that's how I came up with telling you about me living in a tent for, for uh, three months. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that was good. I wouldn't do that together with Catherine. So we took a bike trip. Last, I'll continue the story about Norway, but uh, this last week we took a bike trip a few days only and we uh, we stayed in, in uh, friends' places and in hotels and uh, that's it was a first step towards uh, more adventurous trips with Catherine. So, but the, the so that was, have any questions about um, staying in a tent for three months? No. 
Um, I'm I'm trying to. I, I don't. I think I I think the Norway part was the part that I forgot. Yeah. No, it's just. I mean, you travel around, and then of course you have to look for a good place. Sometimes on the Lofoten, for example, it's not allowed to to just put up your tent. But um, um, a friend of mine that I. German friend in in Norway, uh, he rec- he told me exactly where I had to uh, go to to find a place where nobody sees me, and that was very good because uh, I took that. There is a ferry going for Bude uh, over to the Lofoten Islands, and that ferry takes three hours through the North Sea. And I don't think the weather was too bad, but I that was the worst. I think that was the worst almost the worst time of my life uh, because I get seasick very easily and that it was uh, horrific those three hours and so I arrived on the on the Lofoten Islands and uh, first I had to spend an hour or two just having coffee in the next cafe and then I was super super happy to already know where to go to put up my tent because it was just a few kilometers away and uh, because I yeah, I was not in any shape to do any serious looking or for, or, or talking to people. Um, yeah, but um, so this this bike trip through Norway it ended, um, and this is something. Yeah, it ended uh, um, with a few days through Denmark and Germany. And when you so when you're cycling in Norway. It's it's very very relaxed. Even if you're taking your bike, uh, your your car through Norway, it's very relaxed because um, apart from the one big autobahn-like uh, road uh, in the east of the country, all the roads um, they have a speed limit of eighty kilometers per hour. I don't know what that's. In. I mean, that's about fifty miles. Yeah, yeah roughly. And um, they are the wild roads most of the time, and there's just not much traffic. So even uh, uh, if you take the car, you yeah, you ride along with uh, eighty kilometers per hour, and there's not much traffic and a lot to see, and it's very relaxing. You can go for four, five, six hours, and you're not stressed, which is very different to uh, riding your car in Germany. Um. It's probably much more similar to, to uh, um, uh, um, driving your car in the U.S. because the roads are wide and the the um, distances are long and the um, speed is not that high. Um, That's which is but and how wide are the roads and how because I how 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 far away between cities and just between petrol stations is it? Um, oh yeah, petrol stations are very central to traveling in Norway. Those are the, the fixed points. Um, and also very important for cyclists because you get fresh water and you get a toilet and you get pulsar, so hot dogs. Um, very, very important uh, parts. And the furthest apart that I encountered was about 90 kilometers. Uh, between uh, um, gas stations. And that was in the very north on the last uh, um, stage uh, towards the North Cup. What's North Cup in English? I don't know. North Cape. Um, so, and, But usually you have a gas stations every like 30 kilometers. 
and you have towns there you never actually there's there's always buildings or huts somewhere so you're never in the wilderness wilderness and i'm i'm talking about uh, going uh, up the coast on the coastal uh, road um But there's, in general, there's just so few people for such a, a, a large country. And, but you always have, yeah, go 30 kilometers and then there's another gas station. That's, I guess, that's the average about. Um, so that's good. And, but there's not, not much traffic. Of course, in the summer, there's mobile homes, uh, especially from Italy somehow and probably now Germany, um, going there. But every, nobody is, going fast and it's not there's it's long distances and very and not much traffic so and that's very relaxing both for for uh driving your car and for cycling i even i didn't even take my my helmet with me on that trip um because the danger of being run over by a car was extremely low And that's how I spent a few months in, in Norway and then uh, took, uh, went up to the north uh, and uh, took a plane from Hirkenes, which is almost at the Russian border, down to Oslo and then took the ferry to Fredrikshafen, which is in Denmark. And uh, then I cycled through Denmark, of course, after nine weeks cycling, I was really fit. So it took me two days to cross Denmark. But fitness is the one part. The other part is that, because uh, in Denmark there's a little bit more traffic, um, but there's also uh, a whole different infrastructure for cyclists. Um, you, if you don't uh, ride on 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 the road because there's nothing else, then you always have a bike path. But and especially when you go through a town. You are as a cyclist. You are a first. You're not a second-class citizen. You're a first-class citizen on the road. Um, you have the same privileges uh, as uh, car or as cars, not in terms of what your rights are, but in terms of infrastructure. Because uh, bike paths from one t side of the town to the other are just built for so that you can just quickly go through the town. And uh, you don't have to take weird turns. You have, don't have to uh, go a different route than cars. You don't have to uh, wait for cars. You're just first-class citizen. And that is amazing because you don't have to think and look at the signs where to go. No, you just go straight. And, uh, of course, there are signs and they just point straight and but it's the same way as the cars and it's still separated uh, enough from the car so you're safe and enough space at least that's that's uh, what i remember from denmark because i just remember that i cycled through denmark for two days just kept going kept going and went straight and never had any problems and was never uh, angry at anybody and is it separated is it also separated from the pedestrians Uh, I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Yes, because anything else doesn't make sense, uh, if you ask me. So, it's, and then... Mm -hmm. To me, it sounds a lot like the Netherlands, or at least Flevoland. Yeah. So, I, I haven't... Where, I, where, I, the bike, where the bike paths were almost their own roads. Yes. Yes. 
So I, I in the Netherlands, I only saw uh, Rotterdam. I didn't go cycling there, and I didn't go cycling in the country. Uh, but uh, Rotterdam was was just amazing. I was there. I don't know when I was there. Two day, uh, two years ago for a for a Ruby conference, and and yeah, they have their separate roads between the, the, the roads for the cars and between the pedestrian uh, pathways. Mm-hmm. And it, it was the same thing. First class citizen in, in the traffic. And most of the time, actually, they uh, get prioritized above the cars. Um, that's what I saw in Rotterdam. And that is so amazing because, uh, I'll get to that, but of course, you can go faster. You can get places, get places. And you're so much safer. Um, than anything, I'll get to that, uh, we have in Germany. So after two days uh, uh, cycling through Denmark, at the end of Denmark, um, there's a border, and then there's Germany, and uh, the difference between uh, the path before the border and directly after the border was... was I don't know what's what's the right word. It it was a very very big difference because as soon as you enter uh, Germany, would, would the, the term you're looking for yeah. be like night and day. Uh, yes, that is the. It was night and yep. day. Yeah, because you enter Germany and the uh, the roads uh, get uh, crappy. Uh, it's very you know they just bad roads. And of course, uh, the bike paths start, but the German bike paths and those are not separated from uh, from yeah they may be separated from um, the normal road, but the quality is way worse. And then you enter a city, Flensburg. I like Flensburg, but um, then suddenly those bike paths are much narrower. And they are right next to the to the walkways for the pedestrians, and uh, the quality is bad. It's it's very it's just broken paths, and uh, you don't want to cycle there even even without any pedestrians right next to you. So uh, of course I uh, went to the onto the road, and the first thing happens is the first cast. Uh, car passes and honks at me because I was not using the uh, bike path, which I don't consider being a bike path because it's so narrow and bad quality that it's just not fun to ride your bike there. And how many miles inside Germany were you at this point? Or how many kilometers Uh, inside Germany were you? Okay. No, no. Yeah, Flensburg just, is right at check. the border. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just, yeah. just checking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew that. Yeah, just checking. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but especially in cities, outside of cities, it's, a, it's yeah. Especially in German cities, very still, very, 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 very often, you have your your the car for the uh, the road for the car, which is nice, and then you have like a meter or maybe a little bit more uh, of bike path that's a little bit. Uh, higher from it's on the same level as the p- pedestrian walkway but then the pedestrian walkway is right next to it and there's never if you're lucky if you're not lucky then it's just one walkway for both but they it's not like it's it's, it's not asphalt and smooth but uh more i don't and it's no fun and of and then the, what's what's really it's this is making me angry every day um when you get to a cross section 
you basically the uh, when you're lucky um then i mean r cars that want to turn right in your direction of travel they have to look at you and see you so you have to be extremely careful before crossing that road um and often even then you have to take a turn because there's there's special um traffic si uh, lights for uh, pedestrians and for cyclists and that makes you take a turn that the car does not have to do and of course uh, because uh, you're not at the same level of the of the normal road you you go down and then after the uh, cross section you have to go up on the um, bike path again and that alone you know cross sections is infuriating because that's yeah you're not You don't have the same priority as cars, and that way it's super, super dangerous uh, to ride your bike in a German city. And then you come to Rotterdam and you see that cyclists <laughs> are the number one priority in that city. And you can just weep uh, because it's Rotterdam in the 70s. I think uh, I saw a picture. Rotterdam in the 70s was a, a car city. Uh, lots of cars, wide roads, no place for, for cyclists. But they made it work and they changed everything and now cyclists are the number one citizen there. And um, in Germany, maybe some cities try it, but they only try it in, in certain, in, in maybe if they uh, build one new cross-section, they try it a little bit. But there's, I haven't uh, met, uh, seen a city where the city itself, everything is built towards cyclists, and um, that is, and it's never going to change ever because whoever plans these these uh, new roads and all plan also plans these bike paths, it's clear that they don't ride bikes. Uh, it's clear that they uh, prioritize cars above everything else. And it's um, it makes me very very angry. Um, I could give more examples. I should take more pictures of really awful cross sections and bike paths and uh, these things in Germany. Um, but in general, it's 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 a few things. First of all, it's way more dangerous to ride your bike in a German city and even outside of a city than it should be. And If you're on a on a bike trip and you want to go and places, just just hmm? just real quick, have you tried riding your bike in Poland? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I don't have as many memories there, but I didn't go through cities. I only we only went through Mazuren, so the East Prussia. Of course, it's now not East Prussia, but uh, I don't know what it's called right now. Um, and that was very. There was just no traffic and no bike paths anywhere. Uh, and then I went along the Baltic Sea, which was also, that was fine. Why have you experience uh, of uh, cycling in Poland? Oh, no, I was just saying if Germany is, if Germany is bad at something, Poland is usually worse. Oh, yeah, I could, I'm, I, I don't know, um, could very well be, yeah. Um, so it's dangerous. Then, uh, of course, if you take a, if you take your bike to travel, not to I mean go to the supermarket, but to travel, then you want to 
get to places. You want to go from A to B, at least that's what I think. Uh, and so I want to pass through this city not on the uh, safest route, not on the most beautiful uh, route, now on the f fastest route. And it's simply not possible. Or if it is, it's dangerous. And uh, um, But whoever puts these the bicycle signs inside um, uh, in cities, they try to think of a route through the city that's maybe safer because there's less traffic. But it takes way longer. Also, as I said, very often at cross sections you have to take weird turns to even be allowed to cross the uh, the intersection uh, instead of just going the same uh, way as the cars. And that infuriates me because I just want to get to places and it's not possible uh, in, in German cities. I mean, don't get me started. Of course, there was a cool article or It was a good article in the Zeit uh, magazine, I think, the other day. And um, one section there talked about bike paths. And it started with, um, what is the, 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 the uh, city that's uh, um, built, best built for uh, uh, cyclists in Germany? And the answer was, well, not yours. Because <laughs> wait, that, that was literally the answer. Just not that yours. that was the first answer. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can't get to place. I mean, we have to. And Catherine, uh, uh, it's just going home from the train station to our place. It's the most dangerous part of our days. Uh, so uh, I took some notes. I wanted to complain about more things, and I have to write this down at one point. Um, outside of cities if you're lucky the roads are small enough that nobody ever thought about building a bike path that's perfect because then also the traffic is very low and uh, the quality uh, um, of these roads is still better than any bike path because they're smooth they're, I mean bad roads you don't see many bad roads in Germany So, and uh, roads that are good for cars are also very good for Bicycles. Um, way too often, there's small bike paths next to these uh, roads that are just not. Uh, um, they're just bad. They're not smooth, and it's uh, also it's more exhausting to ride there, and it's way slower than riding on the on the road. And I've had uh, so Catherine and I so we took a bike trip together, and we're not. Yeah, as we said before, I have very strong opinions on, on bike paths in Germany. And Catherine's, of course, still prefers the bike paths and uh, gets angry at me when I stick to the road. Uh, so we'll have, still have to figure out. Um, uh, Wait, why does she get angry at you when you stick yeah, to because the road? Because she thinks it's more um, dangerous riding on the road. And of course, there's a bike path, so you have to take the bike path. Mm -hmm. You know how Germans are. Um, but especially, I know that it's safer riding on the road, uh, on the same, uh, um, in, on the same road than the cars. And, and, but for many, that's not true. But, um, yeah. 
So, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see the next time. Uh, and but this bike trip went well because I'm allowed to plan a new bike trip. So we're gonna take another bike trip together uh, for you know several days, and I'm pretty sure we will go to Switzerland because apart from Denmark, Switzerland is uh, another country that I know from cycling, and it's just amazing. Because there you have, um, yeah, when you go through the city, maybe it's not always the, the uh, fastest ro um, way, but you always have a bike path. Um, and it's uh, the signs are very good and you, you get to your destination, right? Uh, you're not hampered. They, they like uh, bicycles as well. And at, on every uh, larger road, there's a bike path, but that's not a small one, but it, it's a well kept wide bike path and most of the time if you're lucky you go through the small villages and then you ride on the road and that's fine and nobody cares about you uh, so switzerland is really really nice uh, as well and it's fairly close to Mannheim, so we i think we're gonna take a the train there uh, sometime and then try riding there uh, they have yeah that's another point They have a national. It's called Velo Route. Uh, it's a national. It's it's a system of of uh, um, yeah of bike path of routes. There have they have nine that go through all of Switzerland and that's, uh, then a lot of um, uh, regional routes. And the sign and these are very well maintained. You. I used several of these before, and you don't even have to think. You you pick your route, and then you get your number one to nine, and then you just keep going. And at every corner, at every place you might possibly go wrong, there's a sign where to go next, including the number of the route. Uh, you can go, and that's not possible. Wait, that's not possible in Germany to go several days without looking at a map. There are some long-distance bike routes in Germany, but the signing, the, the how do you call it, the signs that that indicate where to go next, are in general bad. Sometimes they are missing. Sometimes they are they are, um, wrong. Um, and of course, if you enter a city or if there's a larger road, they always take detour detours. Because they don't want to get you to places, they want to get you there with uh, avoiding all the major uh, uh, major roads, which some yeah, which is uh, which maybe is fine for some, but it's very infuriating if you take a detour just to avoid 200 meters of cars. So Switzerland will be next. I'm st I'm talking so much. What are you doing? Are you listening? Of course I'm listening. <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm taking right. very careful notes of things I want to ask you about. Okay. Then uh, to... to um, I, 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 keep, I could keep going about uh, um, the Baltic I'm also still waking up. And yeah, yeah. You keep... <laughs> I, I, I do... Actually, I, I do want to hear about the Baltic Sea Route. Yeah. Because another one of the disaster videos that... So this is my life, is I will work... 
Oh, have I told you about the insane hours that I've been working? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Once you uh, told me that you had worked 80 hours that week, but that was a slow week. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, no, that was a vacation. <laughs> 80 hours is a vacation week. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's... So I am a manager now. I ha I manage... I manage a team, but yet I'm also, I mean, I'm, so there's, there's three layers of managers. There's like the first layer, which I'm in and I'm, I'm a C in, in that layer, there are seasonal employees, which means that they, they take 13 weeks off a year. And, um, and then there are permanent. So that's their year round job. But but that's the thing is they they work in a tax product in the tax season in the U.S. It's typical for typically four months long. This year it was mm -hmm. five months long, mm -hmm. and there's there's the M twos which are the managers of the managers, and then the M threes which are the managers of the managers of the managers. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have two full time jobs now, like the equivalent of two full time jobs. One is managing my team which is everything from you know saying oh hi i my diabetes is acting up i'm calling in sick today and i'm like all right gladys i don't actually have somebody named gladys on my team i'm just using gladys as a name uh okay gladys yeah like that's not a problem all the way up through um all the way down to yeah gladys you you can't tell your and actually i don't have this conversation often but just sort of going through the met going through gladys's metrics and seeing how gladys is doing and saying like gladys you earned this much of a bonus you did this that managing people mm -hmm. and all the things that come with managing people who are temporary workers because they're they've they, these most of these people don't have a full-time job that the the standard setup Kind of like me when I was starting off is I had a small private tax practice that did not take up all of my time. I had some spare time to work, yep. um, taking calls from people doing their own taxes. And it became more than a full-time job. So there's the managing the team people part. And then every manager has little projects that they work on. And the two pro and I work on worked on two projects within that. And then my other full-time job is as a data scientist, mm -hmm. because those metrics that I was talking about, so, so basically the way it happened was, is I, I have my own spreadsheet for tracking how my team interacts with a certain product, because there's no good, there, usually for, for the, the main product, There's good tools. Like I can go to a report and I can see how my people are doing. I don't have those for this other product that they work with. And so my boss said, uh, Hey, that thing you were using, do you think you could do that for all of the managers in our team, the people that work for him? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I can do that. And then I get this email a couple days later after showing him like mock-ups of it and we, we test it and he's like, Oh, this looks great. This looks great. This is fabulous. And I get an email a couple days later, company wide email or not company wide product wide 
email saying, we're, you know, you must attend this meeting tomorrow at 9 a.m. Mandatory. We're going to show you how to use this brand new tool for tracking this other product. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool. I guess they, fi- I guess they figured, I guess they found another solution and they're going to use that. Fabulous. Okay. I'm going to go to that training. And then I get, then I get a Slack message from my boss. 15 minutes after I get and read that email, he's like, yeah, so did you see the email? And I'm like, yeah, so who's, who's, uh, who, who, who ended up doing the thing is like, no, that's you. <laughs> and my second full-time job is managing this set of cascading Google Sheets um, for all of the managers who have employees who work with this product. And so the beginning of my day is 15 messages from managers, some of which are posted in like the correct room for these questions, the correct Slack channel for these questions, some of which are just direct messages being like, yo, Nick, what's up with my people? Like, and then it's, and I thought this would have wound down after the, no, because it turns out that after the tax deadline happens, we don't have such a great need for employees. And so we offboard a lot of these seasonal employees and then all of their work sometimes just doesn't get properly transferred to employees that are staying. And, and sometimes the manager's off board too. And so it, it, and so now this offboarding process that's been happening since the 17th of May has, has made me go from those relaxing. I have not had a relaxing 80 hour week since the, tax deadline ended. And that's my second full-time job is working with a tool. So like, and there are people who are paid to do this. There, there are, there are, there are people whose job it was to create these tools, professional data scientists who probably make a lot more money than I do. And who sometimes ask my boss questions being like, Nick's report is missing all of these things. And so my boss will say, Hey, yeah, Nick. Um, so they're saying your, your report is missing. Like, and they'll, they'll spend all day trying to come up with this report that says my report is missing some things. And then the cool part about that is that like, yes, my report is missing those things because your report is only 80% accurate. And I will send them back in 15 to 20 minutes. This thing that they've been working on all day to try to bust me. I will in 15 minutes be like, yeah, no, this is where all of those things are accounted for in spreadsheets that you didn't bother to look at because you don't actually know how my tool works. Well, I hope that you're compensated adequately. Yes. For all the work. Okay. Yeah. So we get it, which is not, which is, Now, here's the thing is, so my base pay, Mm -hmm. so I'm an hourly employee, non-exempt, which means I get overtime. Now, that would be the weird thing is I should probably be on salary making less than what I make. Mm Mm-hmm. But the, but the job and and, in, in the, the company that I work for is a very, very good company in that respect. And that, uh, to, to give you an example of that. So my, let's just say that my base pay is, um, we're using round figures. This isn't what it is. So let's just say my base pay is a hundred dollars a week. Okay. Um, my actual pay is usually three to $600 a week. Mm-hmm. 
and and the joke the joke is is that uh like let's just say i make uh $15 an hour i don't i make much more let's $20 an hour let's just say i make $20 an hour uh my when i was talking with someone when i started out in this job the the other colleague was like it's a $40 an hour job and i'm like how do you make twice or no it was uh, it's a time and a half so it's 35 okay I'm, i can do math and so she says you know it's it's a uh, it's a $30 an hour job. And I'm like, how are you making 50% more than that? And I was like, no, she wasn't quoting the base pay, which is, I think the same for all of the managers at, at that point. Um, she was quoting the overtime wage. Mm-hmm. And that's since, so when you work 120 hours a week, 80 of that is paid at one and a half times yeah. the rate yeah. as opposed to the 40. So it, and then you get a bonus. You get a performance bonus at the end of the year. But your performance bonus is based on your base pay. So if you worked so much overtime, you actually get a bonus to your bonus because they're truing up what your bonus is because your hour, your actual hourly rate is that much higher because of all of the overtime you worked. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it is crazy. Like for a while, I was I – was, um, actually, that's the funny thing. In Mexico – that Friday afternoon was the first afternoon I took off since we had started, since I had started in January and we were open seven days a week. Now, fortunately, we're only open Monday through Friday, but I still have work to do because there's another report that they need to get done and I need to finish that this weekend. But none of that has to do with Raven, which is the more exciting thing to talk about. We never did an emergency podcast after Raven was born. We didn't. Because I still had podcasts that I had to tell me. Please tell me that I was. uh, You have taken care of. No, um, I just put them out. I just published them. Okay, you just put. Okay, good, great, perfect. Uh, Without much editing. Uh, Okay, let's let's talk about Raven. But let me tell you about one more uh, bike uh, thing. Uh, Oh no! Please, please. uh, This is. Catherine doesn't understand this, and maybe if one of our listeners... But, but, but I think, did you emphasize that Catherine had a good time on your bike trip? Maybe not enough. No, she had a great time. She had okay, a great good. time. Uh, she, at least, she starts to understand my problems with uh, riding your bike in Germany uh, and riding your bike on German bike paths because actually she was in she almost got into an accident when she was on the bike path and then there were some pedestrians with dogs and they did not look uh, um, anywhere except for straight uh, and she almost hit a dog because nobody looks anywhere and they all think they are special um, and also because the infrastructure just assumes that everybody is very aware of everybody else which of course is not true because we're human and um and make mistakes and yeah um so she she learns and but she liked it very much so we're gonna take more bike trips which is really cool also the next bike trip will not be using a tent maybe sometime in the future we'll I'll, i'll take it slow in that regard um but I want to speak of the last country that I know from cycling, and that is Italy. I don't... So I was in Italy in... When was that? 2002. 
who knows how it is now. But I don't remember uh, any bike paths, or at least uh, not very often. I remember riding on the road in Italy. And yeah, in Germany you get honked at by the by the drivers uh, a lot if you uh, ride on the road and in Italy as well but it's totally different in Italy they honk at you because they want to signal you that they are going to overtake you also when going around uh, turns and curves in and you can't see because it's it's hilly and you can't see the end of the curve they honk all the time to signal that there's a car coming Not only to to uh, cyclists, but to everybody. And if you're in a city and you're just riding on the large road, uh, just with everybody else, nobody honks because it's just normal. You're part of uh, um, you're part of the traffic, and you're cyclists, but that's okay. And on the big roads, they like you because Italy they like cycling, they like cyclists, and they respect you. They see that you're on a bicycle and they know what that means because they go, they, they ride their bicycles all the time as well, uh, also as a sport. And so they respect you, they like you, they honk because they want to signal you, here's a car coming, be, be aware of that. And, and then they wave to you. And so... I think that makes all the difference. They, I don't remember uh, Italy having very good uh, bike infrastructure like the Netherlands or Denmark, but they see cyclists not as enemies on the road, but as um, people who should be uh, congratulated and should be... Uh, I mean, you have to be aware of these. And, and they, they are careful around uh, cyclists because they know what it means and they respect you. And that is not just not the case in Germany. And so I many years ago, I, I swore to myself that I will never take another bike trip in Germany. And now I remember, or this, this past week remembered me why. Um, reminded me of why. Um, so next bike trip will be through Switzerland or someplace in France where there's just not no cars at all. Yeah, that was the last thing about uh, cycling. Never cycle in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting all podcasts just to say that. Just like, just don't. Um, I, I mean, in, in yeah, just don't. There, however, there are walking paths, trails. There is a vast. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of the Appalachian Trail. Sure. Uh, those are not in any remotely sense bike friendly. There, there is an ex there are a couple of exceptions. So there is this thing called the White Pine Trail, and there are read about it. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there's. I mean, there's the Appalachian Trail. There's the the one that's even longer, um, which runs through our city, and we occasionally walk on. I think it's the. Oh, why can I not remember the name? Kristen's going to kill me that I can't remember the name. Um, like the North Country Trail, I think it's called. I'll remember when I and I will do the notes. I promise you, I will do the notes this time. You put it up. I'll I'll get the notes done. Um. And there are an extensive, some of which follow roads for brief periods of time, but most of the time it's just a walk through the woods. But 
with the exception of the White Pine Trail, which they recently paved the entire length of the way from, uh, it starts in Grand Rapids and goes through, starts in Grand Rapids and goes to a town, I think, about maybe 150, possibly 200 kilometers north of here. Um, and it's paved the whole way and it is, goes mostly through forests. It's, it sometimes follows a road, but it's an old railway. That's another thing you'll find a lot of the time is there will be old railway right of ways. Those are the best. Yes. There are yes, a few of those in Germany as well. Um, but still with our problems here, of course. Um, right. but, uh, the combination of a smooth paved surface. And not very um, steep right. climbs is the best, of course. Because they're designed for railroads. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's that. Uh, what else? Raven. You have Raven to talk about. How's that going? Uh, it is wonderful. Growing. I, I, just saw, had I saw you sent me one picture and... I have to say, maybe that's a good thing. He looks like you. Just yes, without the yes, beard. Yes, he does. He has. I, I should probably, I mean, I would. Yes, just without the beard. But if you, there's actually a picture of me as a child. And if you compare, <laughs> I'll send you the two, I'll send you the two of them. I won't post it online because uh, I, maybe this is just me. So there are, there is such a thing as Facebook shadow profiles. Mm-hmm. And and shadow. This is another reason why I don't use WhatsApp and why everybody who wants a picture of Raven can get a picture of Raven, but through Signal if they promise not to post it on social media. Uh, there are the, they create shadow profiles of you for advertising purposes from the moment you're born, and it starts with you know the pregnancy pictures. Women love posting pictures of themselves pregnant, and that's fine. Celebrate your pregnancy however you want. I don't care. But I, there was one not like pregnancy announcement picture, but if you really look closely at the picture of Kristen, you can see that she's pregnant in it. Um, and that was it. And we haven't, uh, and I guess there's the German thing of you don't take pictures of children or you don't post pictures of children online without the parents permission or maybe that's just a hacker scene thing yeah you're, you're it's just a hacker scene yeah. thing yeah oh okay well um well yeah no there are no pictures of raven oh there, there's no pictures of raven on social media and there's a reason for that in the sense that i want raven to have the choice as to how online Sure. They want to be. Now, I, I, Raven growing up in the place that he's growing up, I'm sure that when he's, when he turns six, he's going to want to be on all of the things and will probably be an active TikToker at like seven, despite all the protestations of his father, um, of their father. Uh, and, but that's still a choice that, that I believe that the child as a individual human with individual human dignity has the choice to make. And so I'm going to try to protect that choice and not make that choice for them as much as I can. Yeah. Um, Does that make me weird? Am I imposing my values no, on a child in another no, way? No, no, no. I think that's by now I, I don't talk to parents a lot, but, but um, many, 
parents also in Germany they think along those same lines and they uh, some post every picture of the child and some post also, none. Also I find that so uh, annoying. Yeah. I I mean yes, I'm glad I am like okay, a birth announcement online fine. Mm -hmm. Great. You had a kid. Congratulations. We're parents now. Let's go talk let's talk about being parents sometime. But but every update of it's just I think it's exploitative. It's exploitative to keep constantly posting pictures of all of the things that your child is doing online. No, that that's where like, what yes, you're I get it. I get it. You think your baby is the cutest baby in the whole world. Yes. I although I'd have to admit my baby is definitely the cutest. But you see what I'm saying? It, it, Okay, I don't, I don't uh, go on Facebook. Well, I don't have a Facebook profile. Uh, haven't had one in a while, and I don't go on social media anymore. So I don't see these uh, pictures. Catherine does, um, but also um, that's what what private Signal or WhatsApp groups are for, with where it's only but you WhatsApp. and your, and the grandparents. Yeah, WhatsApp. But yeah, WhatsApp course. doesn't count anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's no. I, I just say that that's what people use uh, still here. Yeah. Right. And, well, and so, that's and I I don't. I, I mean, I use signal groups for that. We yeah. have now all but of that. You have the a way small, to get your. You do have a small uh, group with uh, maybe you two and Raven. No, well, they. Okay, not him, but uh, and your and your parents, and then you can send your uh, uh, the pictures of your child. Um, that's that's okay. Um, oh, oh no no we we have the there's there's a there's a specific raven photo group yeah cool that that has all of the extended relatives in it and then there is yeah. the raven childcare chat which is uh hey we're going to drop off raven now wait no we're supposed to have raven on wednesday at 1 30 <laughs> it's like wait no but Kristen has this foraging walk on wednesday at <laughs> at at one so we need to drop him off at 12 45 and that's the whole group is just logistics planning around where will the child be at any given point and and so there's in that chat there is much talk of afternoon naps and solid poops <laughs> that is your but, life you have a child it's it's sort of like raven's poop was so solid today it was amazing and you have four grown adults talking about a a sub one-year-old's poops awesome that's uh enviable okay really no it's not um okay i, answer, I, just, I, just, answer, I didn't i didn't detect enough sarcasm uh, in that yeah. i just wanted to be sure um answer me one you question lost the, you lost the sarcasm with the beard how can you how is it to be a dad when you're working 120 hours a week uh, fortunately, Kristen is, well, okay. There's a dad working 120 hours a week, and then there's a dad working from home 120 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where, you know, my, my father is a retired physician, and so he would go to the hospital early in the morning, come back late at night, and I'd never see him. At least I can go downstairs at any time 
and I can pick up Raven and carrying him around, or maybe Kristen is just needs a break for five minutes. And then I go, I walk around, I get to play with him and I, I see Raven throughout the day or Kristen will bring Raven up here and we'll put him in a playpen. So it's a different experience. Now, yesterday was the first day in a long time that I got to spend most of the day around Raven and Raven's aunt because Raven's aunt, my sister had never met Raven before yesterday. And, uh, and that went surprisingly well. The, the, the interesting thing about Raven is that my parents had long since given up on being grandparents when, when Raven came around and it's really mellowed them out a lot. They're still, they're still cranky old people, but, uh, they're, 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 they're much less cranky old people and they're cranky about different things. So my mom is, is now cranky about why isn't the baby sleeping in the crib? And we co-sleep. It's, we're, we're, we've stopped feeling shame for, for co-sleeping that Raven sleeps between Kristen and I, mm-hmm. uh, and, and has slept that way pretty much since uh, Raven was born. And honestly, it's easier for everybody. Kristen takes care of Raven all day. And at night, when Raven is hungry, Raven just 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 turns over and he finds... I've, I've even seen it when I've come to bed and I wake him up a little bit. He'll, he'll just turn around and he'll, with his two, with two hands, just grab Kristen's boob and latch on and just, 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 Kristen won't even wake up. And it's good for her because Raven feeds, Raven gets fed, Raven knows how to feed himself off of Kristen's boob and Kristen doesn't even have to wake up. Um, uh, so what was I going to say with that? Um. Anyway, being a father, I think it really hit me on the flight from Mexico. There's two times that it really emotionally hit me. There was one we were watching this movie, uh, The Command, on Netflix. It was the first movie Chris and I had managed to watch in just a ridiculously long time because I think I, uh, I, when we went when our hours changed and I was able to not, because before I was working from, uh, from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep and then, um, with breaks for lunch and, and periodically. Mm. Uh, but then when, when we went back down to normal hours where I was, it were basically work had stopped in the early evening the mid evening. Uh, and I was able to come downstairs and we, we watched the movie. And, and what happened was is basically in the plot of this movie, and, I, and spoiler alert for the uh, the command, uh, everybody dies at the end. And when they realize that they're going to die, uh, the, one of the persons asks, he's like, hey, do you remember? He asks a friend of his when they are, they're all going to die in this situation. I asked a friend of his, like, do you remember your dad? Because his friend's dad died when he was very young and he's like, no, I don't have a living memory of my dad, but I knew he was always with me. And you know, you're cheering up a friend when you know, you're all going to die and you don't want to die sad or whatever. And that just was so gut wrenching emotionally. And I think there was another scene in a movie that I was watching on the plane where there's a child. And I, I mean, everybody like child children always tug on heartstrings, but it's way different when you're a parent. 
that's way different. And the other thing about it is when I was going, and the only reason for this trip to Mexico was to responsibly wind down the apartment. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all it was. Uh, to make sure that I that all of the things in there were taken care of, that it was handed over in the responsible manner, and 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 all that. Um, and and to stay in it one last night, two last nights. Um, oddly enough, uh, I ended up spending my last night in Mexico at the Four Seasons because uh, um, Lalo. I don't know. You've you've met Lalo, I think, haven't you? I don't think so. We we went to his lavanderia. Good friend of mine in Mexico. He took everything. He took all of the furniture, and so I didn't have a bed to sleep on my last night in Mexico. So I went to the Four Seasons because, mm -hmm. as as we do, and <laughs> uh, and that's and that's the the thing is that's really our new home because it's where my parents feel most comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so the next time we go visit Mexico, it'll probably be several years down the line. Uh, and it'll be my parents, Kristen, Raven, and I. And I'll get to show Raven the Mexico City that we know and love from the podcast. Because at one point in ancient history, this podcast was about Mexico City and food and culture. Yeah. I don't know what it's about now. But I love the fact – how many other podcasts can they, can say with a straight face – we used to be about something, and now we don't know what we're about. <laughs> that's almost every podcast. Yes, that's not like professional, <laughs> but we come straight out and admit it. It's true. <clears throat> we're, we're growing yes, as yes. podcasters. We're, we we admit it. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know if that's a very that's a very long way of answering your question. Uh, it is wonderful and it is only possible because Kristen is it's only possible because Kristen truly enjoys being a mom. Mm -hmm. Like you you know how every mother, you know, oh I love being no mom Kristen is all about being a mother. Not in the militant way. In that because th there are some mothers that assume that identity. Kristen is is very connected with the planet, very connected with life, and very connected with our child. Um, and truly enjoy. I mean, it's 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 tiring. Raven is never more than. It, Raven is very rarely more than a meter away from their mother, and the joke that I used to tell is he spends fifty percent of his life on Kristen's right breast and fifty percent of his right life on Kristen's left breast, uh, which is not. It's a joke, but it's it's not tremendously inaccurate. Uh, and Kristen is starting to go back. That's the other problem is Kristen got laid off from her from her job that she had for fifteen years uh, because of the pandemic. Never came back. She's starting to to go back to to that job and do things similar to it as a consultant. But her life is basically dedicated to Raven right mm -hmm. now, and that's. That wouldn't be – I wouldn't be able to do what I do if, if that were not the case and if my parents were not retired and also able to take care of Raven. I don't see him often enough and that's – so when I'm here, you know, in my house that I bought a kilometer away from my parents, 
I'm never going to stop saying that. <laughs> I, Raven's always downstairs. Yeah. And I can hear Raven. And if I hear Raven screaming for more than 30 seconds, I'll just drop what I'm doing and go downstairs. Right. Um, so I'm grateful for my job because of that, because I get to be at home and, and do that. And I look forward to the point where I'm not going to be working so much as Raven's growing up. That's the other beautiful thing about this job is that uh, it is seasonal. And so I do literally have three months off a year. Um, it worked out. The timing worked out splendidly because I had October, November, and December. Yeah. Uh, Raven was, Raven was in the, for the first three months of Raven's life, it was just Kristen and I. And we were just happy enjoying the baby. Uh, all the time. And I'm looking forward to those three months again. Yeah, everything changes. They, they say things change and then a lot of things do and a lot of things don't. Uh, and you don't know which things are going to change until it actually happens. It, does that answer all of your questions about? Well, I asked you a very uh, rather practical question And uh, because I'm not, <sighs> I, that's, that's. What was the practical uh, question? The practical question was, how do you manage to raise a child while working 120 hours a week? Uh, the Mostly, okay, the, the simple answer is, is his mom does You it. don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have children. I'm not, I don't feel very close to that kind of life so i don't know what other questions to ask except for practical questions how do you manage that uh, and that and, yet and you I, answer that um, although I although employees. i would have i would have asked the same question about working 120 hours a week without even if you were single but um right i i honestly i think it's easier to work it when you're in a loving committed relationship yeah of course yeah because yeah. you have somebody supporting you. if you were single it'd be yeah 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 it would it, i think it would be emotionally more taxing as a single person uh the i have employees and i or uh, there are people who who i i manage and there are other managers who have many children and many grandchildren, and I have just the one. I can't imagine how people do it with two or f or six. There's one manager that has six children for ages 10 to 26. How do you, I could not, that's the thing I can't fathom. That is the thing that I just cannot possibly, uh, I, 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 that I can't imagine. That I have, I, 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 how i i don't how is that i i that that is something that i truly truly cannot cannot wrap my 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 brain around um just because you said yeah how how do they do this uh the one thing that uh is uh that's been the the main topic or that's the topic that always leaves us uh, just asking how is right now is how people actually afford to buy a house or buy an apartment uh, in Germany in the city um, 
just we don't have to go into details but that's that's the we we earn fairly well we both work full-time although i'm gonna uh, uh cut back on my hours starting in july which is awesome uh, and so that's that we don't we don't have to think about children right now uh, but uh, um, all of our friends or many friends they're looking for houses or apartments that they can buy uh, and it's impossible but people still do it and uh, we don't know how these people can afford this anyways what do you mean by impossible yeah impossible financially at least without like literally risk. there is no way no of course there are yeah there are ways and but we don't understand how people go these ways the ways is you uh calculate uh how much money you can spend on uh, your um on on paying for your house per month and then at the current moment and then they go out and get a credit uh from the bank for that or at least they secure one and buy a house that uh, would have cost them a third or at least half uh about 10 years ago and they will have to pay lots of um lots of money for the next 30 years and they apparently just hope that everything stays the same as it is now and that is a risk we are, for example, not willing to take. Yeah, you don't want to buy a house at the. P- I mean, and I don't. I don't know what housing prices are. Well, but do most? I thought most people in Germany just live their whole life renting, and that's it. I think that's true, but there's a lot of people wanting to buy houses. So owning your own house is still a. Uh, childhood dream of many. I can't say any more than that. We don't. We it's not a dream of ours, because we want to uh, go back to. Uh, what drives to, that dream? It's <laughs> that is a. Um, good question. I don't know. I don't have that dream. It's the, the, the idea, so the idea of having your own home, having your children, uh, and that... Because and, and is the idea that you, that, uh, is the idea that you, pa- I mean, is this just the act like uh, people taking an American dream or, nah. or is it, uh, it, it or, or is that, that's, this is the thing that I don't understand, um. Is it the dream of being able to pass something on to your kids? No. I mean, do, do people in Germany... No? No. No, I don't think that's it. Um, I, I don't... Uh, it's just the idea of that's how it's supposed to be. That's that's how a family lives or that's how you live. Uh, maybe some of it is... Part of it is... Uh, um, saving up or that that's um, uh, your retirement fund mm-hmm. um, that's certainly part of it and then the the idea that okay if i pay rent uh, this much rent uh, i can also pay just for the for the house um and then own it uh, i don't know how but true then, but that then is why, why own it yeah like what's the advantage especially especially yeah yeah i don't uh, 
people think that it's in the long term it's cheaper i don't know uh yeah you're asking the wrong person and i brought it up but we don't understand it there there's some it's it's probably it's the same as some people they need to have children they they want children and before they have children uh they not fulfilled and it's the same uh, i think i have no idea. i neither have a house not a, nor a child but uh, it's, it's i think it's it comes from the same place this urge to to have this kind of life but then what do you do with the house you you live there and take care of the garden and then yeah that's it and th and then you die and your children get it right yeah and but and they usually the they usually it? don't want to live there so they sell it anyways and then do the children buy their own house with it I mean, yeah Or have built uh, their own house already, so they don't need the old house anymore. I mean, a friend of mine, uh, he now, they his father died last year, and he and his brother um, were already preparing to sell the house of the father. Um, but and his brother, they, they already have their own house, and... Uh, this friend um, they were looking as well to buy a house somewhere because that's i mean uh, he's going to be a dad in a few months and but they couldn't find anything so they actually now uh, decided to not sell the the uh, their uh, home uh, their their parents house and uh, just re renovate it and rebuild it and use that um because it's so much cheaper of course than than getting a new house Um, so that happens too. But, Did housing prices collapse in Germany? Do, do they do they go down when the economy goes down, or do they just kind of stay flat for a while? Uh, they go. They've been going up for fifteen years. But that's the fifteen. Uh, they definitely. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Uh, what uh, how uh, how it went in two thousand seven? I don't know. But uh, during during uh, so during the last two years, they went up enormously again and again. So, in, uh, but that's it's the same for rents, unfortunately, in the cities. The thing that I don't understand mm -hmm. is, and I think it, it's happened in some cities, but not in. Uh, It's happened in some cities, not not all of them, and even in in some cities, it's it's weird. But uh, uh, with the advent of remote work, you don't need to live in a big city anymore. Sure. Uh. So one, and I, I know this has happened in San Francisco. People have just moved. They've just left San Francisco. Because there's no re they don't need to live there. Like if the, if you work in tech, there's there's no reason to not. You know what? I, am I? I know what you want to say, and I'm gonna say that's not what's going to happen in Germany. Because it is so important to go to the office at least once in a while that uh, companies will. I have not. Maybe it starts now and maybe it gets better, but um, I don't think that remote, full remote work will be very popular or very common in Germany 
anytime. Certainly not anytime soon. I, you I, can I, make I, that same argument for the U.S., but in some in some ways. Yeah. So uh, I'm. I mean, uh, my office is in Frankfurt. I live in Mannheim, uh, um, and this is basically I live in Mannheim and uh, commute to to Frankfurt, and it's gonna stay that way. Not three days a week anymore. I think we're having this discussion in the company right now. So how we're gonna work in the future? But at least one at once uh, once a week, maybe twice a week. I will have to go to Frankfurt because people. Well, there's different. It's a whole new. It's a whole different uh, discussion. There's um, lots of arguments to be made, um, but still, that means that uh, when your company is in Frankfurt, and Frankfurt is a big city, lots of companies being there, banks, and yeah, our and I don't know how much tech there is. Um, you have to live somewhere close to that city, and the area around Frankfurt. I mean, even if you. Uh, commute an hour and a half by by car. It's still it's expensive everywhere, and uh, somehow that doesn't change. Still doesn't change. I don't know why. I'm I'm preparing to uh, go full remote in about three years or whenever we uh, go back to Latin America. Um, so I have a. I won't change companies. You mean uh, go back that. for visits, not to live? No, to live, to live. So we we still planning really? to yeah yeah go back to oh wait oh so wait Catherine, hold the phone hold tell me about this I did not know this so many topics today uh, now we're still so when we you you can split up this podcast into two episodes no I won't okay, okay but we could stop now take a break uh, get new coffee or water and then record another one <laughs> no. I'm I'm we all won't. yeah we I won't. I mean if you're good yeah, yeah. if you're this this is we'll, the advantage for for me waking up at three o'clock in the morning is you're still good to go and I'm like oh okay I'll just yeah. get yeah let's do it <laughs> let's just do it all right the re- then, you know several and- ways to live the return part two coming up in just a moment after this word from our non-existent sponsors. <laughs> 